You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Welcome, everyone, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior. It is good to be back. I have not been on this show since Sunday when I was in New York for Tout Wars weekend, and we had a two-hour extravaganza uh, breaking down Tout Wars. We'll actually have a little bit of a, uh, a carryover from that. Uh, I've got two Tout Warriors as guests a little later on uh, in the show today. We're going to have uh, Fred Zinke and also Nando DeFino and Nando... Uh, I thank very much for stepping in on Monday, uh, hosted the show on Monday while I was traveling back from uh, New York from Tout Wars and uh, could not host the show. So uh, we'll have Nando back again uh, and uh, probably catch up a little bit on their uh, Tout rosters as well. But there's a, a lot to uh, to cover since we haven't had a show in three days. Of course, there's tons of news just in the last 24 hours or so, some big uh, position battles finally getting resolved, so we'll certainly talk about those. And uh, week one, just around the corner, so a little bit of looking back and uh, a lot of looking forward and start for the first time to tackle some lineup and rotation questions for your first actual uh, roster uh, for the uh, the first actual lineup for uh, the 2017 season. So very exciting. But uh, the news that seems to have made the biggest splash today just uh, announced a few hours ago, Blake Trainin is uh, Dusty Baker's choice to be the Nationals' closer. And uh, I think most people presumed it would be either Sean Kelly or somebody maybe from outside the organization that they would acquire. David Robertson, of course, was a name that was thrown around a lot earlier in the offseason. And then Coda Glover in more recent days, uh, there was a lot of speculation that was going to be Coda, Coda Glover, but instead it's Blake Train. And the, the one who had, his name was always mentioned as a part of the mix, and yet the one who always seemed to be overlooked. And I think it probably comes down to a simple matter of strikeouts. And this is very, very reminiscent to me of the Astros situation a year ago when we all presumed it was going to be Ken Giles who's going to be named the Astros closer, and then A.J. Hinch threw us a curve and named Luke Gregerson, and of course, in the end, by August, uh, it was Giles, but not after Gregerson and Will Harris had their shots at the job. So maybe we'll have a similar uh, revolving door sort of situation in Washington. Maybe eventually they will trade for somebody, but at least for opening day, it's going to be Blake Trainin. and I seem to be in a minority here on Trainin because the consensus that I'm seeing on Twitter is that People think that training is either not going to be good enough to keep the job or not good enough to really bother with in most fantasy formats. But my first reaction to this is I, I kind of like it. I think he's he could be sneaky good, and I have no doubt that he's he's going to be well below an elite level just simply by the fact that he walks a lot of batters. Back-to-back seasons with walk rates over four per nine innings. So that's a problem. And he's not been striking out a batter per inning. So you might wonder what would recommend him as a closer. But he's a very, very good ground ball pitcher. Uh, Rates in excess of 60% in each of the last two years. Home run rates of 0.5 and 0.7 in each of the last two years. So those are well below major league average in these days of the uh, home run resurgence, power resurgence. So he can uh, certainly keep the ball in the park. Might put more runners on base than you would like from your closer, 
but I like his chances to have an ERA in the low twos, much like he did last season. And I think he's got a shot to improve that strikeout rate because he's a, a pitcher who, who does throw hard. He gets his swings and misses with rates over 10%, close to 11% over the last couple of seasons, uh, which puts him in line, again, not with the elites, but with very good fantasy closers. Uh, but, you know, the, the problem is whether or not he's going to be in the zone enough to get those called strikes. So, uh, you know, I think at the very least he'll do a good enough job of avoiding extra base hits that uh, while he may clog up the bases, you're not going to see them emptied. And the, comp, the, the comparison that a lot of people on Twitter asked me about, in fact, three people simultaneously, as soon as the main news came out, asked me, so who's better, Blake Trainer or Cam Bedrosian? And it's an interesting comparison because I think they're very similar from a ratios perspective, from a skills perspective, both pretty hard throwers. And I, I do, I think they're similar, but I actually do like training a little bit better. I think both could face some competition. I think neither one will necessarily have a long leash. And training does have the superior ground ball rate. And I, I think that the strikeouts may not be that different because the whiff rates are very similar. So you got a couple of guys that don't work in the zone that much. And Trainin's actually had a little bit more success at getting batters to chase those pitches that are out of the zone. So I would not be surprised if Blake Trainin were at least as good as Bedrosian as the strikeout pitcher this year. Remember, it was only just last season that Bedrosian really arrived as a strikeout pitcher uh, in the majors. He was right around Trainin's level the year before. And then last year, that the, the velocity spiked a bit and the strikeout rate went up to 11.4 per nine. But that's just over... Uh, 40.1 innings, 40 and a third innings for Bedrosian. So, I, you know, I'm not convinced that he's better than Trainin. In fact, I would rather have Trainin as, uh, say, my number two or number three reliever in a Roto League, So, or really in any league. So uh, that's the, the biggest news probably from today, but a lot of other uh, items. John Gray has been named the Rockies opening day, clo- or opening day starter. That's no big surprise there. Uh, and a lot of news out of New York, both for the Mets and the Yankees. Juris Familia, uh, at last we have the uh, the suspension uh, decision on him uh, for violation of the Major League Baseball domestic violence policy. Familia has received a 15-game suspension, so Asin Reed will fill in as the Mets' closer for the first uh, two weeks plus. But then uh, Familia, it would be assumed, will get the job back. Uh, the Mets rotation, some news there. Stephen Matz, as we know from a couple of days ago, his elbow problems have resurfaced. But the MRI on his, MO, uh, on his elbow came up negative. He's received a PRP injection, so he'll be shut down for at least three weeks, Stephen Matz. So definitely a no-go for the first week of the season. And already uh, Terry Collins has announced the replacement. Be Zach Wheeler. He'll slot into the number four position in the Mets rotation with Robert Gisela. We already knew he was in the rotation. He'll be the fifth starter. So the Mets rotation for the first three weeks anyway, probably a little longer, uh, is is set. Uh, now for the Yankees, a couple long-awaited decisions there. Aaron Judge has won the right field job over Aaron Hicks. He is the Aaron to be in right field for the Yankees. So I think fantasy owners pro- probably universally celebrating that decision because uh, Judge, uh, of course, offering the potential for monster power and 
Hicks uh, not really having established himself as a major leaguer up to this point. And also part of that rotation situation for the Yankees, which has been really cloudy beyond the first three, that is partially settled. Luis Severino is in. He is the fourth starter. I have to say I am mildly surprised by this because he's had a very inconsistent spring, but apparently he has done enough to earn a rotation spot. And then the fifth spot's going to come down to Chad Green, Luis Sessa, and Jordan Montgomery. Uh, and the Yankees won't need a fifth starter until April 16th. So all three of those pitchers are going to make a couple of starts in the minors, and basically it's going to be an extended audition. Uh, Montgomery, very good start yesterday for the Yankees, so he's certainly making a very strong case, but hasn't claimed it yet. He still has to compete uh, for that spot. In Boston, we have uh, development here. Drew Pomerantz is on the 10-day. Yes, you heard it right, the 10-day DL. That's going to take some getting used to with a left flexor strain, but it's expected that he will take his first turn in the rotation, again, because it's uh, you know, starting now, and uh, it's just a 10-day DL now. So Drew Pomerantz, as far as we know, uh, will be okay for week one. Uh, he's not had the best of springs overall, so... Might be somebody to avoid anyway in week one. Drew Smiley had a very good spring, but he was uh, scratched from today's start. That's Friday with what is being termed a soggy arm. So that's a new one for me. Uh, He will be, or he has met with the team doctor and uh, we will be watching that situation because Smiley's not been ruled out for the first week just yet, but there'll be more to come. I'm sure on Smiley, uh, hopefully very soon. Adrian Beltre, uh, he's been dealing with the calf injury. He's going to have that injury reevaluated this weekend. And Beltre told the Dallas Morning News that he does not expect to go on the DL, but of course his situation, not definitive yet. So along with Smiley and uh, Pomeranz, that's uh, another one to watch. Randall Gritchick, uh yesterday, that being, uh, I'm sorry, yesterday was Wednesday. So that uh, Smiley start was actually supposed to happen tomorrow. Grichik on Wednesday, uh, hit by a pitch on his right hand. There's been, uh, it appears no fracture in that hand, but uh, he may still get an x-ray to determine the extent of uh, whatever injury there is for Randall Grichik. Carter Caps is going on the 10-day DL. He's been dealing with uh, the aftermath of Tommy John's surgery this spring, so uh, he's going to need more time in his recovery. Uh, he was somebody that I picked up uh, over the weekend in Tout Wars. 15-team mixed uh, Roto League. And uh, I still think Caps could be a very good source of saves down the line, but obviously a lot of uh, a lot of uncertainty there for Caps. But also, in, if you've got a draft coming up, you could probably now still get him, in fact, get him even cheaper than he was before. And he was pretty cheap before. So I think Caps is still a sneaky uh, draft and stash option for saves. And the Twins making something of a wave uh, today by sending Gung-Ho Park to minor league camp after he's had a very good uh, a very good spring with a lot of power. And as every time we talk about Gung-Ho Park on the show, we talk about how he lights up the stat cast uh, leaderboards with his exit velocity and, and fly ball distances. So a lot of power there, but also a lot of issues with contact. So in spite of a good, encouraging spring, Park uh, at least going to start the year in the minors and it's not known who's going to DH. I think it was presumed to be, I was presuming it would be Kenny Vargas, but Vargas is still dealing with a foot issue. He may wind up on the DL. Uh, so it could be, Var- could be Robbie Grossman, perhaps. 
And Vargas is an intriguing one because uh, I'll, I'll admit it kind of either went under my radar or something that just didn't stick with me, didn't stick with my memory. But Vargas had a big power explosion last year in a, granted, a limited number of plate appearances, just under 200. But a big turnaround going from somebody who was hitting a lot of uh, grounders to a lot of fly balls, started pulling the ball at a pretty extreme rate. So really kind of a, a an overhaul in Vargas's batted ball, ball pro, profile last year. So while there's been a lot of attention on Park and what he could do for you in terms of home runs, if Vargas is healthy uh, and he gets a shot, I wouldn't sleep on him either. So that's uh, there's been a lot of consternation about the Park decision, just like there's been a lot of Twitter consternation about the training decision. And I'm not sure either one is as bad as, as uh, some people are making it out to be. So uh, that wraps up the major news uh, items for uh, for this uh, edition of FanRag Fantasy Baseball. And uh, we'll be heading into break uh, just a moment here, but just to look ahead. Next segment, we're going to be having Fred Zinke from MLB.com, and we're going to talk to him about his Tout Wars draft, which was pretty sensational. And uh, sensational both in, in looks like he's got a good team, but also pretty interesting strategy. So we're going to break that down. And also because he is a notorious active trader, going to try to get in, in his head and see exactly what, what Fred is thinking when he's uh, perusing the league rosters and uh, thinking about trades to make. And then a little bit later on in the show, again, return of Nando DeFino, and we're going to dig into uh, some week one advice uh, for your lineups and your rotations. So we're going to head into break right now, but stick around. Got some great stuff coming up. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and uh, I'm very excited to welcome the first of two special guests today. That, I think, is a first on the show. Well, other than Sunday when we had uh, seemingly half of Tout Wars in the studio with us. Uh, but uh, we've got uh, two uh, guests. Uh, the first of all, Fred Zinke from MLB.com and from the Tout Wars Mixed Auction. Just saw Fred this weekend. Uh, so, Fred, welcome back to the show. Yeah, it's good to be talking to you again after our long conversations throughout the auction. We actually got to sit beside each other on Saturday. That's right. I think that was a first as well. Uh, I don't recall that. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, yeah, uh, I think you were already plotting some uh, some trades midway through the auction. No, I ha- no I'm a reformed <laughs> man. I'm telling you, I'm not going to make as many trades this year, I think. Now you yeah, okay, you did say that. And I wanted to, I wanted to ask you about that. And I also want to dig into your roster, which I think is just fascinating. But uh why why are you reformed? Why the reform? When when the old Fred did so well. It's true, but like there but you can try different approaches and as as much as people talk about that I make a lot of good trades, I also do know that I make some really bad trades as well. Trades also take a lot of time to work out with, especially, you know, if you're going to try to make as many as I've been making. So, uh, yeah. And I think I could be, I think sometimes I'm not patient enough. So, uh, I, sometimes I gave, I think I gave away and, uh, for example, Eduardo Nunez early last season, just like threw him in to get a trade done. And then he turned out to be very valuable. So overall, I'm going to try to be more patient this year and maybe trust myself a little more when I like a player. Well, you know, if you're going to toss somebody away too early, better Eduardo Nunez than Brian Dozier. I think you'd have to agree with that. 
I don't know. At least you got something for, I don't remember what you got, but at least you got Dallas. <laughs> you got Dallas. Actually I do. You got That's Dallas right. Keuchel, which is maybe last year was worse than getting nothing. But Eduardo Nunez, I actually got nothing for like a trade was done. And I think it was Scott Engel said like, Oh, I just not sure if I want it. And I was like, here, take Eduardo Nunez too. And he's like, okay, sure. Done. And so I actually got nothing for him. So, because I just did, I don't know. I didn't believe in him after two or three good weeks that I sure, certainly should have. Well, you know, I'm going to be keeping an eye on, on your trade activity. And uh, either way, if you stick with the, the new regimen or, or if you go back to the old one, I'm hoping maybe uh, we could check in with you at some point uh, into the season and, and see how that's going and, and why you're yeah, for sure. trending the way you're trending. And, and, I, and I want to talk about trades in a more general sense with you. But like I said, I, I do want to ask you about your roster. Really interesting roster construction. Stars and scrubs all the way. You have uh, four players over $40. Three of them third baseman, Josh Donaldson, Nolan Arenado, and um, uh, Chris Bryant. And obviously, Chris Bryant, uh, you have some position flexibility there with him. Uh, so you have those three, plus Bryce Harper at 42. And then you've got a, a two-ace rotation with uh, Massive Bumgarner and you Darvish, and then a lot of uh, a lot of $1 players. So how did... I, I'm guessing this is not a... Uh, you know, a premeditated strategy on your part, uh, because that's just typically not how auctions work for anybody. But how did this happen? Yeah, no, that was my plan going in. I decided that I was going to try to buy four $40 or roughly $40 hitters, four of the top 10 hitters and two good aces. I actually thought I'd get Max Scherzer, who you ended up getting. I thought he would go for around $30 and and he went a little more than that, which is fine. Um, but yeah, no, my plan was to get four first round caliber hitters and a couple of my top 10 starters and then just figure the rest out along the way. The, the third baseman thing just happened. And I, I, some people have asked me, was I trying to deplete a pool? And I wasn't. Third base is super deep this year. That wasn't the goal. I, I actually wish that one of my, other than Harper, my $40 hitters are, are real sluggers, not no bases, there are no stolen bases there. I wish I could have gotten maybe Jose Altuve or Mookie Betts or Mike Trout instead of one of the players I got, but that was okay. My plan was to get, was to go heavy stars and scrubs, uh, punt saves, and then we'll just see where we go from here. Yeah. And you, uh, pretty much, yeah, you delivered on all of that. In fact, you didn't, you got no relievers at all, not even in the, uh, reserve round. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I really decided I now I, I did have some backup type plans now because you can go start in an auction you, because typically the best players are nominated early. You can have a stars and scrubs plan. And if it doesn't work, if you just end up getting pushed too far on some of those players, you can double back and just spread out your roster. And I was willing to do that. Had, had I been pushed high, higher on those hitters. I would have bailed and just bought some 25 and $30 hitters or whatever. Um, and same with the closers. I hung in on the closers up to a point. I had the punting saves. I, th- I thought that was quite possible as what I thought they would go for, and I was right. Had certain closers gone for a couple dollars less, I was in. But then when they went to what they went to, like I, I'd take Ken- Kenley Jansen for 20, Sunwan O for 17, Edwin Diaz for 17, but they just kept going a dollar over, and I decided at the end that I wasn't going to try to compete in saves at the price of having – Brandon Kinsler, Jen Mar Gomez, you know, Ryan Madsen, those types of pitchers, two of them in my lineup. At that point, I just decided I was out. Yeah, well, uh, you know, like I said, it's a very interesting roster. Uh, 
and yeah, I, I think it's going to work for you. When I you know looked at, at all the rosters afterwards, I thought this is this is going to be a tough team to beat. Now you said that it was uh, sort of a design strategy for you to to have a roster like this. Is it just because you didn't see that much separation between the middle and lower tiers, or just faith in your ability to uh, make replacements on the fly as need be, or something else? Yeah, I'd say a little bit of all of the above. I will say when I looked back at my auctions from the past few years, and I and I typically finished in the top of the league, but when I looked at my auctions, like I I bought a lot of guys who didn't play well at all. So the concept that, you know, if Josh Donaldson doesn't have a great year at forty two dollars that my team sunk, that doesn't really hold water to me anymore. Like if he ends up only being a twenty eight dollar player uh, like last year, I bought Lucas Duda and, you know, and, and a lot of Alex Gordon and, and Shinsu too, and a lot of players for $15 that were basically $1 players by the or less by the end of the year. So I don't think, I don't think stars and scrubs is necessarily super risky. I guess it could really blow up and you could end up in a lot of trouble. So that was part of it. Uh, and I also did notice a bit of a trading theme with me last year where I was often trying to climb that ladder and give a couple $15 players to get a really good player. So I guess this year I just decided to skip that step and start with the good player. And I, I, I'm sure if I go out and if I need to make a trade later and I, I want to shop Nolan Arenado, I'm sure there'll be a market for him. Yeah. Well, all that makes sense to me. And now if we, we uh, look at the lower end of the roster, you know, all these $1 players, you know, smattering of, you know, a couple of $2 players. I noticed that, these are almost exclusively what I would call safety picks. Um, and, and it's a real contrast to, I, I didn't have as many $1 players, but the ones I did have for the most part were really speculative. Um, Carter Caps, who I talked about in the first segment of the show, he was one of them. Eduardo Rodriguez, Matt Joyce, who had a, a really aberrant season last year. And I'm hoping that maybe there's something to that. Andrew Tolls, same deal in his rookie year. Um, and meanwhile, you've got these, you know, kind of tried and true veterans, Jason Castro, Jose Reyes, Joe Panic, D- uh, Danny Espinoza, your pitchers. Joe Musgrove, I think, is the exception here. But otherwise, Zach Davies, Mike Leak, Nate Carnes, Tyson Ross maybe is more in the speculative category, too. And then even going down to your reserve picks like uh, Tyler Anderson, Stephen Wright, Josh Harrison, Nick Markakis. I mean, almost to a player, these are steady veterans. So is that a, is that a, a preference for you or did it surprise you in the aftermath that that's what you wound up with? Uh, I say with the hitters a little bit, I felt like I needed to get some steady veterans because when you have so many, you can't have a, probably have a hitting lineup with like six speculative $1 players in your lineup because you, you'll just fall short. I think some of them will bust. You can have like, you can kind of get cute and have like one or something in your open or two, maybe in your opening day lineup. But I felt like I needed the Brett Gardners and the Cameron Mavens, just guys who are playing every day and, and will generate some stats. And then I could get cute with waiver picks. Um, I felt like Tommy Joseph's a little speculative. He's my first baseman. I went $2 there. Like there's some potential there. Like we haven't really seen what he can do in a, in a 525 at bat season. Um, and then uh, I drafted Yohan Moncada for my bench. That was kind of my big speculative pick, hoping that mm-hmm. I'm a little light on steel. So I, I'm hoping that he'll, he can help me there. I, I do think sometimes, though, we really, with the speculative picks, we chase youngsters, which I get. Like, for example, you mentioned Joe Musgrove. Uh, at the same time, like when you think of like Rick Porcello being a great speculative pick last season, and there's a veteran who had been up and down and up and down throughout his career, mostly down, and 
ended up being a great speculative, you know, late round pick and he wouldn't have fit that mold either. So I think sometimes like, like I could chase like a, like Nathan Carnes to me, like he's someone who hasn't really put it all together, but his K per nine is right around nine. So if he does put it all together, he could be really valuable. But I did feel with a lot of $1 players, like I needed some Mike leaks just to, and like I said, as I said, Brett Gardner's Nick Markakis is to just keep the counting stats coming. Yeah. Well, Nick Markakis is the, is the poster child for that category oh, of players. So you, you nailed it yeah. there. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I, I did say I, I wanted to, uh, we've only got a, a few minutes left in this segment, and I, I definitely wanted to talk to you about trades. Um, and I don't, you know, again, don't want you to give away too many secrets. Or, I mean, honestly, I do want you to, but, you know, I don't want you to feel pressured because I want you to come back on the show sometime. But I, I do want to know in, in general terms, uh, and this is a question I get, I think people in the industry get, what sorts of things do you look for in a trade target? And, you know, obviously we all try to buy low, sell high, but, but what, what helps you determine when you have those opportunities? Yeah, I normally, I normally don't get fixated on certain players. I normally try to look just go through the rosters and put myself in the other owner's shoes and think about which owner would be interested in talking trade. Cause I don't think you're going to get very far if the, if it just doesn't suit the needs of the other owner. So, so for example, if, if partway through the season, you know, I need to trade one of these stud hitters uh, to get more depth or maybe something happens to the Darvish. I need to trade one of these stud hitters, maybe for a mid tier hitter and a pitcher, uh, you know, I'm going to look standings. I'm going to look rosters. I'm going to look who has a really deep hitting lineup or who's really, really crushing it in the hitting categories, or I'm, and could maybe spare an extra hitter, or I'm going to look at who's crushing it in the pitching categories and could spare a starter. Like, I really try to think of the other person first, and then I look at the roster and look at the names and decide. And I know a little bit of who I'm high on and who I'm low on in comparison. Like, for example, I know I'm not as high on Julio Tehran as most people. So I think he went for $18. I probably won't make an offer for him all year because he's just not up there in my rankings. And his owner probably likes them way more than I do. But overall, I will go back to those auction values a little bit because, you know, if you paid $20 for someone and I thought he was an $18 player, now there's somewhere where we can talk if that's the type of person that fits my roster in a trailer in the year. But I think mostly putting yourself in the other owner's shoes to start is the most important thing to making a lot of trades. You know what? It, it sound, when you say it, it sounds so obvious and so common sense, and yet... I know I, you know, don't do that nearly as often as I should. I think prob- probably a lot of owners maybe lose sight of that. So again, you know, it's, it's, I think it's good common sense advice that we need to be reminded of a lot. So uh, yeah, I think that was- and if there was one, sorry, Al, I was going to say there's one other thing I'd say that I'm willing to do that I think a lot of people aren't. I'll unbalance my roster if I like the trade. Like I'll trade my only closer, or I'll trade my ace starter when I don't have a good number two if I really like the trade. And then I'm willing to make another trade down the road to square my roster back up. But I'm never thinking two or three moves ahead, but I'm willing to gamble that maybe later I can make a trade. And a lot of owners will just flat say, like, I can't trade my ace. I don't have a good rotation behind him. If I like the trade, I'll just do it and then figure out the rest later. Interesting. That's Yeah, that, I think that's definitely, uh, I don't know, for my eyes, that's un- unconventional. So, well, Fred, thank you so mm-hmm. much for taking the time today. Always a pleasure to talk to you and uh, look forward to uh, reading you this, uh, this season. So, uh, yeah, def- definitely. Best, best of luck. So, uh, well, uh, we're going to head to break, but when we come back, uh, we're going to have Nando DeFino uh, sit in the guest chair. So, uh, stick around. 
Welcome back, everybody, to Fangrag Fantasy Baseball. I'm your host, Al Melchior, and thanks again to Fred Zicke from MLB.com for joining us in the last segment. And uh, we are just going to keep uh, keep the party going here. Uh, we've got, this is something of a home game for our next guest, uh, Nando DeFino, because uh, Nando is with Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, Nando was actually one of the first two hosts, or rather guests, on this show. So uh, it's good to have him back. Nando, thank you for joining me. Al, Al, it's always a pleasure. Oh, wait, is my mic on? <laughs> it is. Yeah. All right. I What's can up, hear man? You. I can hear you. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. I'm okay. Yeah. You know, technically, you? I was also one of the, the first ones to host uh, when you were out of town. I sub-hosted for you, so it was either you or me. You were you were the very first, so I'm sorry I, I sold you your contribution to the podcast a little, a little bit short there. It's all right, Al. I still love you. <laughs> I appreciate it, Nando. Well, we we got a lot to talk about. I mean, we got got you on here for a couple segments, and uh, we've got some week one stuff to talk about. A lot of that. We got uh, some Twitter questions, so I definitely want to try to get to all of those. But I would be remiss to not spend at least a little time talking about your Tout Wars roster. And you know, I saw you over the weekend, of course. Yeah, we're no longer and competitors. You pretty happy with it. You were friendlier than usual. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So you know, I I, I feel like uh, you know, I could just talk about this uh you know with with no no restraint yeah exactly we don't have to have those little couched conversations anymore we fill each other out right you know and i can wish you good luck and and actually meet it on <laughs> thanks al sorry fred <laughs> <laughs> uh so it seemed like you were really happy with your roster when i saw you over the weekend but you've had a few days to digest uh and look at the competition and you still feel good well it's not it's not so much digestion as it is uh byung ho park optioned uh jose barrios optioned jorge soler out so still i still love the team uh just <laughs> just feel like april might be a little rough yeah, I hear you. Same thing. Uh, same thing for me over <laughs> in the mixed league. Uh, but I'm not sure if I did mention you. You said we're not in the same league. This is AL only. I'm not sure if I had mentioned that yet. So uh, sure. deep, deep league here. But and, you know what? I can, uh, Al, yeah, I, can, a, I can take this yeah. team and put it in a mixed league, and I think it could finish sixth or seventh. I just love how it turned out. I, I yeah, I do. I do like it. Um, and yeah, you do. You, you mentioned a couple twins already. You've also got. Uh, Byron Buxton, and Miguel Sano. Yep. Uh, so you know they're they're a big part of your core. Uh, you've got Masahiro Tanaka heading up your rotation. Jake Odorizzi. Uh, you've got uh, let's see, you've got three relievers, right? Yeah. Well, I got um, uh, maybe four, depending on what happens with Matt Strom. But I'm I'm penciling him oh, as point, you know, yeah. 130 innings pitched by the time all the dust settles. And you got Mitch Haniger for eleven bucks, which I think for AL only is uh, is a nice price. And you know a lot of buzz around him. Uh, are you? I mean, was this just a, a nice value pick for you, or was this somebody you were really targeting? No, I, I wanted him as I was as I was going in. I had a bunch of guys right around that eleven dollar range who I wanted to go for. Uh, Haniger was one of them. I, like I haven't been in love with Haniger, but I haven't been in love with him. You know, at fifteen, Haniger at eleven. I just I. I I probably would have gone 13. I think Colette and I were going back and forth during the bidding. Um, he's got some nice home run potential. He's got that Jed Jerko minor league average. Like, it's, it's 300s all the way through. Um, and I think the park is actually going to be – he's not going to be as tempted to try and hammer home runs as he might have been in Arizona. You know, maybe, maybe the, uh, the safe go field will allow him to kind of have a little restraint and you know, play the way he should be playing kind of thing. 
Yeah, I think there's an argument for that. And, uh, you know, and Safeco also, especially when they moved the fences in a couple years ago, I mean, it's, it's by no means a hitter's park, but I think it's not as bad as a lot of people think it is. So, well, I mean, Nelson Cruz you know, has helped shatter big, that. Robinson Cano. Exactly. Yeah, that helps. Cano, yeah, uh, coming back. Uh, and, you know, you talked about Soler being out, but you've got to be happy that Delano DeShields, who you got for just $5, now looks like he's in line for a starting job. So you must feel pretty good about that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was fired up about that. Uh, when I was, I was looking at the players who were left. Dude, by the way, I don't know if you've used uh, Zola's tier sheets or even seen them. Um, I admit I have not. It was the, it was the, it's the greatest thing. Uh, it's, just, it's basically just a spreadsheet with all the players tiered. Um, and I, it just, I, I don't know why. I, I guess I've never thought of using anything like it before. But... Just the color coding and just seeing who's left at what position. And, um, you know, maybe if I don't agree with all the tiers, at least I have kind of an idea of where the drop-offs are. Uh, that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. That helped a whole lot. So, yeah. Those Very line- cool. So for those- <laughs> you know, Al, this could also be just the first year I used my computer to draft instead of the pen and paper. So just to control F is so much serious? easier. Yeah, yeah. I snapped. Oh, that's unbelievable. And, I mean, I've done plenty of drafts with you, including four previous Tout Wars uh, auctions, and I don't don't know that i ever noticed that yeah i um i'm i'm, I'm kind of in the zone during drafts so <laughs> i mean so you know what i can't I'm a tell oblivious i can't tell what anyone else is using to be honest like i know gene mccaffrey used paper <laughs> because he sits next to me you know back in the day when we were in mixed together but uh mm-hmm. like that's it like i just assume I, I really don't care what everyone else is doing to be honest yeah well i was flanked i had fred on one side and gene on the other uh on saturday nice and i did take note that that Gene did not have the computer. So. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, let's let's uh, di- let's do a little forward-looking here, Nando. Well, first of all, do you have any more uh, drafts or auctions coming up? Yeah, I actually got one tonight uh, at six thirty Eastern time. Um, with actually, it's a bunch of cool guys here in New York. Uh, Steve Cutzolano put it. Uh, Steve Cutzolino put it together. He's the bald dude with the goatee who's at Foley's every year. He's boys with like Corey okay. Schwartz. Um, you'd know him by sight. So, like, Corey's in it, Joe yeah, Sheehan's no. in it, Tim Heaney's in it, um, Jen Piacenti's in like it. like a great group. It's going to be Rick Wolf, Michael Salfino. It's going to be fun. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. But it's a good group of guys who are just going to hang out. We got this back room at a bar in New York. Uh, you know, we drink a little bit, and, and we auction. Chris Vaccaro's my partner. Okay. Uh, so, how many leagues does that make for you? That'll be seven. This year. Seven, okay. And then Sunday morning, so, uh, my, my a, a NL only. And Saturday, I got my Granite Street Tavern League with Sussman. Actually, all right, so I'm at nine. Oh. Sorry, Al. <laughs> so, so I'm wanting you to, to you know, talk about some of your week one planning, but you, know, you still have half of your team, more than half of your teams, uh, still out there in the ether. Yeah. So uh, this may be more, this may be the more ether, theoretical. Al. It's out there in the ether. Or the ether. That's your call, Nando. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, whether it's, it's theoretical or, or not, uh, yeah, I think we think uh, it'll help the people for us to start uh, putting on our week one thinking caps. All right, let's do it. Don't you agree? I agree. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah. Enough of us fawning over our yeah. teams. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So let's like like Fred said. Let's think about others. Right. Uh, <laughs> And uh, we'll start by looking at the hitter landscape. Six and seven game schedules for everybody, except the Orioles. They have all those good hitters, and they're only going to get five games. Uh, two against, these are all at Camden Yards, by the way. Two against the Blue Jays, and then uh, three against the Yankees. Uh, are there any Orioles hitters that you would avoid with them losing that game or two? 
Uh, specifically, I can't think, you know, I consider Baltimore almost like the American League's version of Colorado. Um, but I also, like, it's, it's still cold up here, and, uh, and they're going to be facing the best pitchers. So, uh, yeah. you know, I'd want to just brashly go in there and be like, everything's going to be fine with Baltimore. But if I've got options, like if I'm talking like uh, Chris Davis versus maybe like Albert Pujols, if I just happen to roster both of them somehow, I think I'd lean Pujols. Mm-hmm. Um, things like, like the borderline stuff, I would lean maybe against them, where in the middle of June I would normally lean all the way Orioles if this is a five-game versus seven-game week. Yeah, now I, I can't think of too many situations where I would uh, ride make a switch there because I actually I like Davis quite a bit better than Pools or, or anybody else who would conceivably well screw you Al. be on my roster. <laughs> See if you can do the show well, by yourself for the last eighteen minutes. It's, it's what makes the world go round, now. Yeah. A little, a little disagreement. Yeah, uh, Mark Trumbo. Even, I'm not that high on Trumbo. I did wind up with him on my Tout Wars team because everything comes back to Tout Wars. Uh, but I, you know, I have a hard time, you know, seeing that I'd, I'd bench him. So you know, then the players that I, I think would be more on the fringe would be. Uh, Wellington Castillo or uh, Jonathan Scope, you know, I could see that. Right, right. It's, yeah, that that uh, that lineup is pretty much, you know, uh, of, of two two poles. I like Scope. Some stud hitters. I like Scope. And then you got, yeah, I like Scope too. But I I think you know he's far enough down in my rankings that 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 extra game or two actually makes a difference. Uh, are any hitters uh, that you're targeting? I, you know, Got some holes to fill in that AL roster. Yeah, maybe your mixed league roster. Anybody, anybody standing out there? Uh, no, but you know nobody yet. I'm still kind of like it's the euphoria of uh, you know having all these teams drafted and just kind of. I guess I'll be going after Yonder Alonso uh, where he's available. AL only, absolutely not because he's, he's gone. But I got to find a new first baseman. So That's. We'll I'm so glad you said that, Nando, because you know what was about a week ago. He had that two homer game, and then all this. All these reports had surfaced about how he had reworked his swing, and and you know, like everybody else in the major leagues, he's you know looking for loft, and uh, became a hot topic there for a day or two, and then I think everybody forgot about him again. So I think that's a, I think that's a sneaky potential pickup there. He's a perennial favorite of mine. Like even from for back when he was coming up with Mesoraco at the same time uh, with the Reds, and I just I thought he was going to be great. I mean, all his numbers in the minors had pointed to that, and then. There was some like platoon time that he had to go through, some growing pains. Um, yeah, obviously, the park effects didn't help him before they knocked down that San Diego building and everything was fine again. Uh, and then, you know, mm-hmm. broke his hand, did all that weird. Like, I think he had a knee thing in there, too. I, I just feel like he's one of those guys who's been floating around so long and kind of, you know, topping out at 12 home run seasons that uh, he's going to catch everyone off guard when he goes 2290 this year, Al. Yeah, no, I think so. Like I said, you know, he got hyped for about a day and then everybody. Kind of forgot about him again. So and Al, did he did uh, he marry Manny Machado's sister, or did Manny Machado marry his sister? I don't remember. I'm gonna look I this know, up. Yeah, I know I'm gonna look Miami this up. Will you give some advice? <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, you look that up. And what I'm, I'm actually I'm gonna uh, talk about a little project I've been working on. Uh, I've relaunched my blog uh, and and uh, renamed it Al Melchior's Fantasy Bench Coach. And part of what I'm doing there, in addition to just blog posts, is I'm uh, doing a weekly matchup report that's a subscription report. But in, in working in that, uh, really discovering some interesting things for week one. And uh, so one player that's that's come up for me that uh, I would definitely look for is Drupal Cabrera. Uh, because there's, there's four different shortstops within the top 18 who are all benchable this week. 
and Cabrera's got some nice matchups. So that's that's the one thing that's has surfaced for me early. Uh, but yeah, go to almelchior.com and, and check that out uh, if that sounds like something that uh, that could be of use to you. And on that note, we still have, we have more week one to talk about. We haven't gotten to pictures yet. We've got your Twitter questions. So we're going to head to break and come back, and we'll have all that for you. Al, Al, check your phone. I'm sending you breaking news. Okay. Okay, and then I'll, then I'll reveal after the break the Alonzo Machado connection. Welcome back, everybody, to FanRag Fantasy Baseball. This is your host, Al Melchior. And with me for this final segment is Fantasy Sports Network's Nando DeFino, part-time FanRag Fantasy Baseball uh, host, and uh, now repeat guest. That, uh, honored. Honored to be a repeat guest. <laughs> well, uh, glad, glad that you're, you're on here again, and, and hope uh, it's not the last time. So, uh, well, we got lots of... Uh, Questions to get to Nandu. We, uh, I'd hope that we could have gotten to some pitcher talk in the last segment. Uh, I do want to spend a little time on that. But for week one, it's, uh, I do feel like pitchers usually wind up being kind of a big nothing. You kind of roll with who you got. I don't really recall many instances in the past other than finding injury replacements where I, I did anything crazy. Because, you know, as you know, uh, the opening day starters, the, you know, the one, two, three starters are, are typically the studs. They all right. get two starts. Pretty easy decisions. So, uh, is there anyone among the two-star pitchers that you know looks like uh, you know? There's always some team that has a an ace that's not that great, but you know, any two-star pitchers that you think might actually get overrated and overstarted? Ah, uh, I don't think so. I um, I think some of these guys are coming through a lot of a little trepidation attached to them. Um, I you know to to have to say you get an overrated guy, it would have to be like an ace who's just. Like Zach Grinky, I don't think he's gotten overrated. Uh, things like that, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's tough yeah. to over. I, I think, yeah, I think the, the overrated thing but, might not. I don't know. I'm sorry. What does Grinky's Grinky's a great one. Yeah, no, I mean Grinky's a great one to uh, to start with because he's not at a good spring. The velocity is down. People are worried, and yet he is pretty much universally owned. He's got two starts. Is he a must start? I'll say, you know, I, I'm glad you brought him up because with the the plenty that we have of good two-star pitchers, I'm not sure that Granky is a must-start. I avoided him just completely everywhere I could. Um, I don't think he is at all. Until he, look, if you in a worst-case scenario, you say Zach Granky's going to have a great season. He'll make 28 starts. And if you're just not going to start him for week one, you've missed two of those 28 starts. You're down to 26 starts. I mean, in the long run, is that really going to hurt you that much if you miss, you know, six... 15, let's say, four, let's say 14 innings, eight hits, right. you know, f- five earned runs. So what? Yeah, if that's you on your bench, at, yeah, you, yeah, and you look at your alternatives, and, you know, let's say you've got him and you've got Matt Shoemaker, uh, who I, I particularly like this week. I mean, for me, it's a no-brainer. I go Shoemaker over Granky, and I don't have I don't have Shoemaker ranked above Granky, but I, I, I agree with you. I think the price of taking the wait-and-see approach with Granky is not – is not all that high, and especially when you've got some base shoemaker who, for me, is you know more top fifty. Um, but with with matchups that I like, it, for me, it's actually a pretty easy decision. 
Yeah, me too. I, uh, I just can't. I mean, Grinky is someone who could totally destroy your team. Shoemaker might finish the week with a four-point-something ERA if he's not great, but Grinky could walk out with mm-hmm. like a six or seven. And that could just, especially if you're in a head-to-head league, that could just take you down in week one completely. Yeah. Yeah. No. Great minds think alike. All right, Al. I guess. <laughs> By the way, Yonder Alonzo's sister is married to Manny Machado. Ah, okay. Yeah. I'm glad I didn't even try to, because I, I, I vaguely remember when that happened, but it was really a 50-50 shot. <laughs> yeah, me too. I had, no, I had no clue. I knew it happened. I just <laughs> yeah, I couldn't remember which direction it went. <laughs> well, on that note, let's talk about Jed Jerko. I think all that's right. always a good <laughs> turn right. to take. Uh, we got a question from uh, Andrew Taylor, who goes by at DrewBug17 on Twitter, and he wants to know, I don't know if this is just you know, Nando-specific, but he wants to know, how is Jed Jerko going to be as my multi-position guy in daily head-to-head categories? I think he's going to be awesome. I think you could, you could take Jerko, Profar, and Baez, who are three guys who people are kind of worried about their at-bats, and you will be very happy by the end of the season with all their results. Those are three guys who are super undervalued, who are going to get their at-bats, and maybe not at the start, but they're going to play their way into it. You, you don't bench a guy with 30 home runs who finally hit those 30 home runs because he got some regularity in the, in the lineup, and then just be like, well, let me give you a regular at-bats again. I think you'll come on. Out, well, you know, and it, right. It, yeah. No. And it's a daily league. I mean, that's a whole different thing, because with Jerko, part of the risk from my perspective, I think this is, again, where we're going to differ a little bit. But from, from my perspective, that is part of the risk with Jed Jerko in a we- weekly league is just you don't know how many starts a week he's going to get since he doesn't have a, a regular job. I, I do think sooner or later he'll be starting in place of um, Colton Wong or Johnny Peralta. But well, Colton Wong does not have many now, fans in that front office right now. No, no. You know, so I, I, you know, but I, I will say I'm, I'm a little skeptical of Jerko having 30 homer power as an everyday hitter in, in St. Louis. Uh, and I, you were saying years ago, I think you said he, was a, he had 40 homer potential. Is that, do I remember that right? Yes, of course, always. No, you're right. I, and you know what? You know what I. But you might have been 35. You know. Well, you know, fine. So, I would believe that if, if Jed Jerko hit 40 home runs, I would not be surprised. But I think the one that people are missing is if you look at his minor leagues, he was always a hitter, Al. All, he, like, he was hitting like 330. I like, I, I think his average could go up to 265, 275 this year. All right. Well, you heard it here. You did hear it here first because you've been saying this for four or five years. So. <laughs> right. But you heard it here. The new era. <laughs> All right. Well, LMLPure.com. <laughs> uh, we have a question from at Dennis Batista. How do you value David Price in terms of discount? Twenty percent, fifty percent. I'll I'll take this one because I got him in in Tout Wars, and I said uh, on the radio on Sunday, and to anybody else who would listen, that this is my biggest regret of that auction. I got him for eleven dollars. So for me, that's that's more than a fifty percent discount. That's probably about a sixty percent discount. Yeah, and I still think it wasn't enough really I, you know so yeah because i looked at the other options like garrett cole only went for one or two dollars more just as one there were there were there were good values uh in that price range you know, of pitchers who were actually healthy you know i just made a trade involving garrett cole and i'm starting i'm not worried about it exactly but it was Syndergaard for cole and sano in a mixed league but i needed a bat hmm and I still think Cole, I mean, the, the, the argument that everyone wanted to veto it because they all think Syndergaard's the greatest thing in the world. Obviously, it's New York League. And Cole is crap. Um, 
But I, like, I think Syndergaard had a tender elbow that Mets lied about all last year. Sano's right. a stud. But I, like, I put Cole and Price, and I guess in that same kind of ballpark, I'm worried about Price. Mm-hmm. I'm worried about Price's arm snapping. But yet Cole, I, you know, whatever. So, but but I mean, Price is. I mean, you would agree deserves a higher discount, right? Well, you know what? With Garrett Richards coming back and throwing hard again, and Masahiro Tanaka having you know, quote unquote, needed Tommy John surgery for the last three years, this might just be a new era of UCLs, Al. I don't know. Like those two Could outliers. I, I hope you're right. <laughs> for you, yes, I hope so. <laughs> Me, me and my $11, hope you're right. All right, well, I don't know we're going to get to all these, but let's let's. Uh, all right, so I'm talking too much. Fire. I'm bringing up too much. I'm sorry. Go All right. All right, at first base, 987 asks, 14-team head-to-head Cats Keeper League. He took Carrasco as his first starter. Uh, wants to know if he should take one or one of which of the following. Cruz, Kyle Seeger, Jose Abreu, or Cargo? With no prices attached? No prices. I think it's Cruz still. Kyle Seeger's boring. You can get that from a bunch of other people. I, I think Cruz is the guy. Oh, this is a, I, I misinterpret. This is, this is Carrasco or one of them. I still oh. say Cruz. Uh, I would take Carrasco and just take the shot. All right. Well, uh, we, we helped you out a lot there. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's the mailbag. Right. <laughs> At AS Goldie, Drew Smiley or CeCe Sabathia? Oh, man. Smiley, even with the uh, soggy arm. I would, I would ditch them both for someone like Matt Strom. I think Smiley's arm is going to fall off, and I, I don't know what to expect from Sabathia this year. Wow. Okay. I think this could be the last one we're going to get in, in Nando. 5x5 uh, five five mixed. Offer Jock Peterson or Puig for Sam Dyson. I like Peterson a lot this year. I would yeah, do it. Me too. All right. We end up with an agreement there. Nando, thank you so much for joining us. Good luck to you, and I mean it sincerely. <laughs> Feeling mutual, Al. All right, excellent. Well, uh, everybody, have a great day. Good luck with your leagues. Good luck with week one. We will be back tomorrow with Jessica Kleinschmidt. See you then.